You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. How's it going? Here it is, Vox and Hops, episode number six. Today I sit down with ex-bandmate Yuri Raymond, who is the ex-guitarist of Cryptopsy, the guitarist and vocalist of Unhuman, and he is a session vocalist for many, many more bands. Uh, I've known Yuri for a long time. I met him uh, through joining Cryptopsy. He was a part of the Montreal-Quebec metal scene for many, many years, since uh, the early 90s. He is uh, one of the best, if not the best, metal vocalists from Montreal, and an absolute pleasure to sit down and dissect his uh, vocal abilities. I always like to sit down and shoot the shit with him. He is also an extreme beer aficionado. He is actually the person that introduced me to craft beer and uh, I guess it's sort of his fault that I am here now with all of you obsessed with craft beer and an absolute hophead. So uh, check it out. This is episode number six, Vox and Hops with Yuri Remo. Warn you, what you are about to hear is very disturbing indeed. Hey, how's it going? We're here at Saint Dublon on Saint Denis Street with Yuri Raymond from Unhuman, and he was also in Cryptopsy back in the day. How you doing? Pretty good. Yourself? Good, good. I'm uh, stoked for your show tonight. It's uh, the return of Unhuman. Yeah, thank you. What did you have to do to get this all in, in place, in order to get this band back in fine form? Yeah, uh, to be honest, um, I spent like, let's say, half of the <clears throat> last four years in jail. So I had to to uh, to go through that bullshit, you know, so uh, so I can uh, <clears throat> come back on track and then start jamming again, you know. Um, unfortunately, like uh, my bass player and uh, drummer couldn't do that tour, but uh, since the offer was on the table, I had to say yes because uh, I really needed badly like to go back on stage, you know, and play my songs and bring back the uh, the band on track. So I can so uh, that's that's all I had to do, you know. We had to find like a decent drummer and a decent bassist who could play shows, and on my guitar player was also in uh, Beyond Creation. He helped me a lot. He did like uh, 75% of the job, like about setting up jams and uh, doing the whole things, you know. So he just uh, he just like offered me that and I said, yeah, of course. So basically. How did your time in jail change your perspective on life? <clears throat> yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's really deep, you know, that the answer I'm going to tell you is like uh, you're, you feel you're all alone, even, even though like sometimes you're something like a... Uh, like last time I was in the E-Wing and we were like 300 people together, but I felt like I was alone, you know, a lot. So you got like plenty of time to meditate and think about what you've done wrong, you know, um, and what you haven't done right, you know. <laughs> so, yeah, of course, it changed uh, a lot. And I had to I had to train, you know, to, so I spent all my energy because I, I didn't know I was like a ADHD before. And now I fucking know I'm ADHD, you know. So I was like training up to five times a an hour, you know, a day, five times a day. And when you say training, you mean like physical training, push-ups? Yeah, uh, yeah, push-ups, uh, setups and everything, you yeah. know, exercising. So I spent like lots of my uh, energy and time doing that so I could focus more. And I was thinking, you know, I was writing a lot. So yeah, it helped me a lot. Yeah, it's kind of stupid to say that, but I, it helped me uh, to, to know me better, you know. When you say you're writing a lot, you're doing like journaling or you were doing more lyric writing or... Kind of anything, you know, even like a... Writing down, writing down like uh, ideas, like uh, humor uh, shows, anything you know, so anything you know. I was I was picturing anything, all I had in mind, you know, because I, I had free times, so and just to occupy your mind, I imagine, yeah. to get you out of the the mon- yeah. monotony of of prison life. Is all this behind you now? Is there a chance that you have to go back? No, no, no. Or is it finished? No, now? no it's finished. But um, but I, I I will never be the same again, you know. So yeah, it's it's still there, you know. It will be there forever. So. Something, something changed, you know, badly and uh, in, in the good and bad ways, you know, but uh, surely the way I am in life will make me grow stronger, you know, through the whole bullshit I have to, to, to go through. I can't even imagine having to spend that much time in prison and how, how I don't think I'd be strong enough as a person to get through it all. You would because you have to, you know, it's, it's you have no choice in that situation. You know, I was in a band called uh, Cryptopsy at the time that I, that I, <laughs> I spent my first, you know, nights in jail and such, you know, and we were going on tour in uh, Europe. I do remember exactly what happened, yeah. I remember getting a phone call in the morning or a text saying we were leaving to go to the airport. Yeah. To go on tour with Cattle Decapitation and Decrepit Birth in Europe in 2013, I want to say. Exactly, exactly. And it was Yuri 
is in jail. He can't come on tour. And it yeah. was really what spawned the four-piece era of Cryptopsy, which we're still in right now. Yeah, and since, since then, you haven't uh, replaced me on guitar, so it's, it's kind of weird, you know? But it's still, you know... So, like, I, I lost a band, I lost my girlfriend, I lost my house, I, I lost plenty of my friends, you know, even my bro. Uh, it's kind of weird, you know, but still, you gain, you, there's something else coming in, you know. So, of course, you know, uh, I feel, I feel kind of lucky th that I went through all this and I got stronger instead of become, you know, weaker and uh, be super traumatized. I'm traumatized still, but I'm, I feel better, you know. I feel like, I don't know. I grew up. While you were in prison, were you... Because I know you, so like I'll just give some backstory. I know that you used to, when you were writing for Cryptops, you'd wake up in the middle of the night and you'd grab your guitar and you would track this idea. While you were in prison, were, did you have this musical creativity that was still happening or did you have to put it on the side in order to just like survive? And I, I started writing, um, writing down like, some stuff for another grunge project and I really don't know why. I just had like good ideas you know, in mind. Probably more simple stuff, you know, like cheesier riffs and such. But I had to like compose the whole music, drums, guitar, bass, without no with no instruments. And um, suddenly, like in the middle of the night, at some point, I was alone in my in my cell, and you're always like two people. But I was alone. Like my, my guy, my friend, just um, you know, he just got somewhere else. He got, he got transferred or something. And um, <clears throat> I was alone, and I was thinking, well, I'm gonna have a little fun with my buddy right now because I'm alone, you know. And, um, <laughs> yeah, for real. And, uh, and then I like, suddenly, I don't know why, I just, I, I took off, you know, the, the pictures of my girlfriend, you know, at the time, and I was about to have fun. And uh, finally, I was like, oh. I, I had like a, a flash, you know, like a, you know when you, you you feel that fucking inspiration being so strong, and I just put back like all my pictures, you know, in the envelope, and I started writing down lyrics, and I didn't know why, and I didn't understand what what was going on, and I finally wrote I wrote down my first love song ever, like wow. guitar, acoustic guitar, and voice, clean voice, and everything. And it took me like months to realize it was my first clean song ever, and it's a love song. So, you know, inspiration comes uh, the way it comes. You know, that's amazing. Yeah, it's weird. So that first day you're out, I, I feel like you, like you went out and then you had to go back in a few times. But when you knew that it was over and you step outside, that was January third of this year. Okay. So I just spent like Christmas and um, you know the New Eve in, uh, in jail. But I was I was like way stronger, of course. But uh, once I got back, I started like doing anxiety about um, Montreal, about cops uh, and girls. And then I had like I had to deal with another part of my life, which was like the fact that I, I was like uh, maintaining, you know, I was like uh, crisping all my my muscles all the time for like years and years. And then when I knew it was uh, over, I felt like dangerously like free, and I felt awkward about that freedom. So I, then I had to deal with anxiety, you know. So it okay. was a new part of my life. So and how have you dealt with that? Uh, right now, I see a psychologist and a psychotherapist and uh, everything. So I and I work a lot, you know. So okay. I spend most of my energy and I start, you know, doing what what I'm thinking about. How was I like um, happy in the past? You know, I was playing music. I had like cool girlfriends, you know, nonviolent girlfriends and such. So I want to go back to these roots, you know. I want to go back like if I find a girlfriend someday, I want her to be like super sweet super calm you know i need those things in my life and to spend most of my energy playing music you know extra music or grunge or whatsoever as long as i like what i do you know it's the, the best form of therapy for me that's for i sure. think so i really think so let's talk about this beer we're drinking yeah we're at saint tublon mont saint denis and they brought us their new england ipa yeah. what do you think about it it's it's like really fruity it uh reminds me a lot of mango And um, I think it's like closer to, it's a New England IPA, but it tastes a little bit like a milkshake IPA. I agree. Yeah. You know, there's there's not the... Um, a little lactose. Uh, yeah. If you put a little more like um, vanilla in it, it would be like... Uh, a milkshake. Yeah, yeah a milkshake IPA. Yeah, it's delicious. Color's nice, super hazy. Yeah. Uh, mango, absolutely super tropical. I'm not sure what hops they use in it, but it's delicious. Um, I'm always pleasantly surprised when I come here. Yep. It's uh, not something that is like spoken about a lot throughout Quebec, uh, Saint-Nublon, but um, I have a fond uh, fondness for it in my heart. I saw, I saw that place like a few times, but I was not like willing to try it out because I don't know. You You're know. expecting it to just have like Saint-Ambroise products and stuff. Something like that. What was the first experience with beer like for you? In first your life, in, yeah. Do okay. you remember what your first experience with beer was like? I could, I could, uh, yeah. When I was uh, really, really younger, 
I went to uh, the, the the corner store. I was about to buy one beer. I, I didn't know. <laughs> That's all you need back then. What's up? I don't know. Uh, so I had like uh, $5 um, in my pockets that I stole from my mom. And uh, then, then like... I'm sorry. Oh, I'm sorry for... <laughs> and, uh, and then um, a guy, a, a well-known like um, comedian, uh, a Quebecer, he was there and he saw me and uh, he said, uh, are you okay, kid? I like... Maybe I was like 10 or something. I was like, yeah, I really want a drink of beer. Badly, can you help me out? And he was like, why a beer? I was like, I don't know. I need to drink a beer, you know, for some reason. So I gave him my $5 and he came back with a 24 pack. And he said, Holy if you want to get drunk, you got to drink more than one beer. So I didn't know what it was about. So he, he just, he gave me a ride to my friend's place and I, I came with like 24 beers. And then we tried to drink as much as possible and we puked and everything after two or three. You know? <laughs> of course. This is my first, first time. Who, who is this comedian? Do you remember his name? Yeah, his sister passed away like 10 years ago. Sébastien Touga. He's a guy from uh, Ottoman Park. And he's a comedian, like a yeah. stand-up comedian. People know him f from back in the days, you know, back in the okay. 90s or 80s or something. Well, cheers to him. Yeah, yeah. For, for, for starting you off on the wrong foot. On the wrong foot, because uh, <laughs> that was blue. You know, <laughs> label blue. So it was not that good. What, what is the first craft beer that opened your eyes to craft beer? Um, of course, that was, um, back in the days, it was like um, uh, Unibrew. And that was uh, La Moudit. But like the the first, first, you know, recipe, the first Moudit, because it was, you know, it was different at the time. And they changed uh, the whole ingredient in it. Um, I think the the guy who used to brew it, like, just changed, uh, the you know, I think he, he moved to another place. And then the, the beer changed and it started, like, tasting like shit. So, and then they got back to something decent. But that was, like, the first one, you know, and the Feinsmond, um, Blanche de Chambly, those beers. But at, at the time, I didn't even I, I didn't know exactly what it was about, you know. I just knew it was strong and got me fucked up. And I liked, like, the little taste, the weird taste, you know. But I was not a super pro at that time. So I puked a lot. <laughs> <laughs> These beers. Uh, the, so what would be your local favorite local brewery right now? Holy shit. Um, Or beer in general. If, yeah, you, yeah. if you can pick one, I, I wouldn't be able to. Brasserie du Bas Canada. They, they, they brew like some super insane IPA. And uh, I'm also into goes, you know. And uh, I don't know, session, everything. You know, every, everything weird could make me smile, you know. I, I really like like Porto Baltic from Les Trois Mousquetaires. The one that they brewed like in a Fu de Chain or Fu de Porto or something, you know, it was so, so good. But these are special editions. And I, I'd say uh, also Ta Meilleure and Ta Plus Meilleure for me are super good. Yeah, both from La Gabière. Yeah, La Gabière yeah. from saint jean sur which is like pretty decent, you know. There's there's so many craft beers right now, so. I really like Ta Meilleure because uh, like quality price, it's much more reasonable When when you you know you want to buy like a four pack or something yeah but you you know usually like I I go to a metro or something there's like so many beers and I see people getting there and they don't know exactly what to to drink or to try out so usually I'm there to help them out and like you you're know, like you're like you're like a, what, what do you like exactly say yeah you're like yeah, a, a like, service uh, clerk yeah and they at, think at that your I local there. grocery store <laughs> <laughs> exactly I do the same thing which yeah, is funny I enough yeah. just want to yeah. help people out because there's so many beers you know so you, you don't want them to buy shit and then think that you know a microbrewery is bad because they just choose like something bad you know yeah, yeah if you start off on the wrong foot your relationship might not be what it could become because it takes a long time to step back from a bad beer sometimes tell me about your early life growing up as a kid you know you in high school what kind of kid were you uh, I've been peeing in my pants uh, until <laughs> I was nine so I think I was a little retarded uh, we are four children Uh, I got an older brother and two little sisters. And we are all, like, I'm 38 right now. My bro is 40. My two sisters are, like, 36 and 34. Uh, they, my sisters have kids. I don't have kids. My, my, my bro doesn't have kids either. Um, I think we grew up in um, Mont Saint-Hilaire, Alteburn Park. You know, a super kind of quiet place. But it was, uh, was also, like, super fucked up. I mean, I had my first um, sex experiences when I was, like, 10. Wow. And okay. uh, I started drinking at 10. I started, like, smoking weed at 10. I started almost everything at 10. So that was kind of early. It was an early life, you know. And uh, even when I was 12, I was babysitting a seven-years-old girl. And her mom was probably, like, 21 or 22, something. And she made me blew up coke, um, you know. Like just Holy as, a, as a pay, you know, she was like uh, rolling me cigarettes and uh, r rolling joints, and uh, yeah, I blew up 
you know, cocaine. And Holy stuff. fuck! Okay. So I think I had like a, I think I had like an intense start, but still I'm not that fucked up because I, I quit yeah taking drugs. Uh, super young, I think. You know, at something like 14, 15, I quit like all the chemicals. And then I quit like uh, smoking joints at the uh, 18. What? Uh, when did music start for you? 14 years old. My mom was supposed to buy me clothes for my birthday because <laughs> I had no clothes. I had like one pair of, of super ugly, like a uh, Ronald McDonald's, like a uh, green jeans. Like these, <laughs> the shape was ugly as fuck. These were the only pants I had, and because they were like uh, dark green, all the people knew that. Uh, you know, they they knew that I had like the only one pair of jeans. I was like fuck. So like you know, I was go I was going to be like a teenage uh, teenager. So. I, I wanted new clothes. And finally, she bought me a guitar and an amplifier, like, uh, instead of that. And I, I've been, like, in shock, like, uh, from 14 to 15. I didn't want to play guitar because I was so mad at her because I really wanted new clothes. So I started, like, selling weed so I can buy clothes. And then I made peace with myself. And then I started, like, uh, playing guitar a little bit at 15. Then I, I just fell in love with that shit, you know? You know, like, what in your house, was there music playing? The reason why she bought you a guitar versus buying you clothes, in her mind, like, what would be her justification for that? I had a, f uh, a friend of mine, no, mostly, like, the f a friend of my bro, um, he played guitar once, and he played some um, D-side in front of me and some suffocation, and he had, like, a, a death metal band, you know, in Ottoman Park, and uh, I, I saw him jam once, and I couldn't, I, I don't know, I was so... I was so impressed. I was like, holy shit, this guy shreds like crazy. He was just playing, you know, riffings. No solos, nothing. But I was I was in shock, you know. I was, how can he fucking do that shit, you know? I really liked the sound, the, the feeling, everything. So, And I was I was just listening to, to a Cryptopsy at that time, you know, and uh, Cataclysm and old school shit, you know, Brutal Truth and uh, Anal Kant and, you know, brutal stuff. So I was surprised that he could play that, you know. In my mind, these these were just geniuses, you know. So I couldn't play that, but I was so Im impressed. And so I started, like, playing some little bit of, like, I don't know, fucking Metallica and, and such. But I really liked Death Metal mostly, you know. So I, I started playing by my own. I took, like, one listen. The guy was not good enough. I quit. <laughs> he didn't bring you what you wanted, yeah. Yeah. So I just started playing by my own, you know. That's crazy. That's crazy. When did the screaming start? I met a guy when I was 15, too. Uh, his name is Ben Lavallee. He was my first drummer. And we started, like, jamming together. And then we had, like, a... We, you know, back in the days, that was a, the tape trading era. So he was like, hey, listen to this. You know, this is Edge of Sanity from uh, Sweden. I was like, oh, what's that exactly? So, you know, we, we both fell in love like, with Macabre and, you know, kind of bands like that. It was super uh, intense at that time. So we started jamming together and we said, hey, let's, let's start a band, you know? And then we just found a bass player. He was this decent. He could play, uh, and then we 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 tried to find a, a singer, but he was so bad in English, especially. And uh, <laughs> instead of seeing uh, the philosopher from death, he was B. Phyllis Taylor and oh, so, no. such such mistakes <laughs> like that. And we were laughing at him a lot because he was really bad. I was bad, but he was like even better. You know, he was really, really, really bad. So um, and he, I don't know, the scream sounded like eh, something like that. So I really hated that. So when he was not there I was screaming instead of him like because I wanted to hear that sound and then my drummer at some point he said yo you're better than him why don't we just kick him out but I, I was like because I can't play and sing at the same time he was like but just keep practicing and do it till uh, we find a, a decent vocalist we never found one so, I so that's know. where you've done and you have like many voices and screaming how did how did you like cultivate all these just in the jam room or you hear something and you can mimic it are you a person like that or it's mostly because like back in the days I remember that like Cradle of Filth was one of the highest vocalists, and um, Macabre was another one. Dying Fetus was surprising me with like uh, the fucking low guttural uh, vocals, and uh, I don't know, man. Suffocation was so intense, and everyone has like his own vibe. So I was like, I want to have my own sound, you know. I just wanted. I felt like I wanted to be original. I didn't want to to be a copycat of. Did you like go and take what you like from each person, and then like mold it into your voice? At some point, you got influences, right? And uh, we were playing like several hundred of covers of death metal covers so of course when I was playing like a um, Morbid Angel song 
uh, song I wanted to sound like David Vincent and then I saw like different you know bands live and sometimes they don't even sound like themselves on recordings is that something that frustrated you or uh, I wouldn't say frustrating I would say I'm a little autistic on, at some point in music you know I really want it to be as good as possible you know or as accurate yeah you know like, like Cryptopsy was like so violent back in the days so when I saw them live I really wanted to have a punch in the face and I had that punch in the face so I was like okay this is what I want you know I want to have the same impact if I if I compose something melodic I want it to be super melodic if, if it's uh, brutal I want it to be super brutal if it's technical I, I don't want it to sound you know sketchy I want it to be super technical you know super tight so I started building my uh, my own you know uh, songs that way you know where, where did the predator voice come from um, just the fact that I wanted to do something different I, I just really wanted to sound different and my um, my drummer was, was super like pushing me to my limits you know we were jamming five six hours in a row oh wow uh, five times a, a week just like you know back in the 80s you know 90s people were jamming a lot there was nothing else to do so so I was like screaming and screaming then inhaling and exhaling and pushing back the limits and everything and then I, it sounded weird at some point I was like I like this little texture you know and my drummer was like pushing me a lot he was like this is good keep pushing and I was pushing and then I started like yelling super intensely you know high low and everything and then I just discovered that weird sound and I started like uh, I don't know playing with that voice you know so yeah developing you know an idea I still haven't gotten it yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm working on it. But uh, yeah. for those people that don't know, uh, Yuri joined Cryptopsy shortly after The Unspoken King came out, and we had toured it. And in my opinion, he's like a big factor in the evolution of my voice, my, my death metal voice. So I'm, I'm constantly working on it. I'm really stoked for you to hear the new Tome 2, which, you know, even now I'm like coming out with new voices. And it's really just like what you're saying, just like playing with it and uh, experimenting. And pushing the fucking limit. And jamming time. it out, like really, you can't just pull it out in studio. Sometimes it just won't work, you know. I, I do remember a lot um, at the beginning when you were in the band, I, and I just jumped in as a guitar player and back vocalist at some point. I remember I was like trying to push you to uh, develop your voice, and you know, to, to I don't know, it's, it's always about a point of view about yourself, not about what other people think. You know, you don't care what people think. Yeah, it was very. It was it was a rough deal the whole unspoken king ordeal for 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 me coming into the band and having to accept this and then you know i guess you sort of helped me just like accept the sound of my voice and push and push then the work, and then work with it yeah. yeah yeah what can i do with it yeah yeah exactly. and not really care what all these fucking comments are saying yeah plus you know you know you always like can uh, work harder and get a new result sometime you, you never know when but like your voice at some sometime you know you don't know why like six months after you 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 haven't think about like uh, getting high or low something then you reach a new level of something clicks yeah, yeah. something clicks you don't know why because the, you know, the cryptopsy work ethic back in the day maybe wasn't as what it is now for me like I go to the jam room alone and I just pound it out in, in the studio just by myself yeah. just to work on my vocals it's like working out it's like training exactly, it's, 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 exactly. you can't the, be the more you work out the, the stronger you get and screaming is not something you can just do it in your condo you know no of <laughs> your course neighbors not. don't love it you no know? of course let's talk about your lyrics yep uh, um, is there like an overlying theme in all your lyrics when if for like unhuman? Um, the way I try to write down lyrics is probably influenced by NoFX more than anything else because NoFX, like the way Fat Mike uh, writes down his, his uh, lyrics, is like it's always like he, he talks about alcoholism, but uh, I don't know something else. You know, like I don't know, uh, you know, society in general or something. He has like two subjects, so I like I like it to write down lyrics that you can see in two different point of views perspectives to like to like analyze the song in two different ways yeah yeah that's always and I know fun 99 percent of the people you know your fans won't give a shit about what you write down i don't care you know this is no uh, i want to be proud of what i did even if like i i do like bad mistakes in english and uh i try to you know i, I try to bring some other languages as well oh yeah you know yeah like russian and really weird things you yeah. know so of course i won't pronounce the russian the, the right way because i'm not russian how do you go about doing that I'm j i just ask friends on facebook or something uh, can you help me out they send you videos of i want oh i want to say something uh, how do you think uh, then they help me out you know or or like uh, old quotes, anything, you know. I try to, I try, I work hard on my lyrics because I just want to be proud of what I've done myself. And I know no one cares. I mean, most of people don't care. 
but I don't know. I just want to be proud of what I wrote down. You know, I don't want to talk about like a murder and such. You know, because it's like I don't know. For me, it's too easy. That's all. You know, that's all. I, that's all I do. <laughs> <laughs> just murder. That's all. Just murder. Just you murder know, and child care. Macabre yeah. is probably my my best definite band in the world, and they just talk about you know uh, fucking murder. You know, murder metal. Do you have like a lyric book that you work from, or do you write songs specifically for each song? It depends. Like right now, I'm working uh, on a conceptual album. For Unhuman or for some new project? Yeah, for Unhuman. Because uh, this is my main project right now. Uh, I used to be uh, in Kill Tourists. I quit. You know, I, I love them. I love everything. But I want to do my own shit. You know, I, I've been playing with Cryptopsy and I, I felt like um, I was in another person's project. You know, I felt that was John Navassar's band. And I was filling in, but I didn't feel... As good as uh, as when I, I do my own shit, you know, like or as comfortable. Yeah, like today, there's there's gonna be some filling parts uh, between songs, you know, like a uh, interlude. There will be like a uh, Zelda and GI Joe and uh, Conan the Barbarian, and, and that, such. that that is very you. That is very. It me. does not fit in Cryptopsy whatsoever. Though. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. exactly. You know, and when uh, I played one show with Cryptopsy with a yellow shirt, and uh, yeah, we talked to you about that a lot. Yeah, yeah. They, they said, <laughs> yo, you can't really wear a yellow shirt on stage, you know, because it's a definite band. And so you didn't understand, yeah? I did. Of course, I didn't. I was like, yeah, but that, that's me. You know, I'm 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 playing music right now. So, yeah, I want it to be a little weird and awkward. I like it. Where do you draw inspiration from when writing lyrics? I'd say, like, when I meditate, I got, like, I don't know, flashes sometimes. And uh, sometimes when I'm on, on the bowl, you know, just having a number two. Uh, I don't know. I've got, like, flashes. And then I start working on, I don't know, you know. But I mostly it's like you get one flash once in a while, you know, every two or three months or something. You got a, a night that you don't know why you can't top you know writing down yeah ideas yeah, yeah. and yeah. then you got like all the cool words and, and such you know like the band uh the dillinger escape plan you know you know the black bubble gum or uh, setting fire to sleeping giants these are fucking catchy uh words play or I, I don't know you know it's it's so catchy and you think i really think that like they write down cool stuff it's while they're falling asleep they wake up and write stuff down something or? like that you know they have flashes and then they just they just work on that shit so this is basically the way i i work on my things or sometimes i just create like a uh, you know song structure and then i'm like i would like it to sound like and then i write down like lyrics about that you know on the structure because i remember when we did the the best of us bleed songs i went to your house it's the one time i made i ventured out to otterburn park yeah and uh you just like you know this is like a big scoop that I didn't write my own vocal patterns mm -hmm. for that. You like just because I was just so nervous to do yeah, something cryptops. I didn't need this to happen, but it, it really helped me transition to get to where I needed to be. So you just like took a microphone and just like laid down nonsense. Nonsense things that I thought that could fit my, my vocally songs. that yeah. fit, fit your songs and then I went home and wrote lyrics to those. Exactly, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But th this that was that was a good thing for me at that time because you said you asked me uh, you said uh, what do you think like should be like the main patterns? And yeah. I was like, well, I have few things in mind, but I would do something like blah, 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 blah. And you were like, oh, but can you just record them right now like a scratch track, <laughs> just a shit track? And then I'm going to, I'm going to like, uh, finally, you, you were about like to compose songs, not over the top of it, but mostly like being influenced by yeah, yeah. those kind of structure. And finally you came back in studio and that was mainly those structures. Those, yeah, those yeah. structures. So I was like surprised. I was like, cool, man, you know. I re-listened to those songs and some of them are actually fucking good. Yeah, I think yeah, yeah. I, th I think there's yeah. good stuff in it. It's stuff that's been forgotten because, you know, Sentry didn't push it. Yeah. They just sort of like finished our contract and just put it out. Yeah. But they didn't. But some of those songs are fucking good. I think so. I think uh, we were going somewhere, you know. And then, then uh, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of proud of what I've, did, I've done, you know. I didn't need to be all around the place and uh, do all the, the, the picture stuff. I just wanted to... At some point, I wanted like the band to come back to the roots and bring something new to the table. And I think that's what you've done. So I'm proud of it, you know? This time around, I just wrote everything to a guitar and a click. Okay. And it really... I think I just do that from now on. I think it did, like made me be very square. Yeah. But the music's all over the fucking place. Yeah. But I just sort of hold it down. You I really like, like it. Do, yeah. you know? If you could book a three-band dream tour for Unhuman, who would be on that tour and why? Holy shrites. Um, Macabre would be part of it. Okay, look, okay, picture that. Headliners, Pink Floyd. <laughs> then okay, I like no it. FX, Estratosphere from California, and Unhuman. That, that, that'll be sick, yeah. 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 
just just to be uh, different, you know. Yeah, I saw Secret Chiefs. I thought about you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah of course. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The, the guy came to my place. I'm, I might not be supposed to say that, but I will. Uh, he came to my place um, two months ago or something. Trace, Trace went Price. to your house. Yeah, he came to my place for uh, to my house for two weeks or something, a week and a half or something, and we recorded some brand new stuff. So I don't. No way. Yeah, I can't really tell much about it. But, but it's he, coming. But it's, it's coming, and he's coming back to my house again. It's for Secret Chiefs, or it's for a new project. We'll just leave it at that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, a, it's about the whole thing, you know. But he's, for he's for, for the, this is great story. I love it. They're like that. You're just sitting at your house one day, yeah. And the phone rings, and yep. you pick it up, and Trace Browns from Mr. Bungle and yeah. Secret Chiefs Three is on the phone yeah. and is looking for you, the guy that can do the voices. <laughs> yeah, and he's he's like, um, can you can I come to your place like uh, someday soon, maybe in a month or so? And I'm like, yeah, of course, buddy. I thought it was a joke. I thought it was one of my friends, you know. I was, this is a fucking joke. And then like someday he, show, he he calls me and he's like, okay, I'm coming tomorrow. Are you ready? I'm like, yeah, of course. I thought it was a joke still. And then he's like, can you come and pick me up in Montreal? I was like, no way. You want me to move to Montreal for a fucking stupid prank, you know? So I I made him take the bus, you know, to my place. And then he showed up, you know. With take, his luggage and his guitar. Yeah, exactly. And then he showed up and I I, uh, I got to the to the prank, you know, spot. What, what album are you on? Um, it's Books, Book of Horror. Yes, yes, yes. All those, all those brutal vocals that you hear on that—that's you. Yeah, that's fucking amazing. Yeah, and he he came just down the street, you know, of of mine, and then I just showed up with my car, and I was like, "Oh, you're there for real? I thought it was a prank." So, I just—I don't know—I was surprised. I was like, "Seriously?" And then he paid me well. We spent some time drinking. He's not a heavy drinker, but I made him like a drink. Lot of craft brews. Oh, cool! Yeah. You were always that dude, man. You were always that dude for me to like open the door, mixing beers too. Yeah, no yeah. one does that still. Uh, I do that sometimes. What, like a white beer and a fruit beer? Is that possible? Of course. Or a but stout, uh, a stout and a fruit beer. Yeah, 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 yeah. The the best, the best is like a super intense fruity IPA with a super intense like black porter or something. Really? Stout. Oh, yeah. See, I would never even try that. Yeah. Yeah, man. You mix. You you do you do put like a RTI, um, you know, a third, a third, maybe yeah. a quarter of a black beer first. Then you mix like super intense IPA, and at the end you put back another sip of oh, yeah. black beer, and then you. Hmm, oh, we got to do this. Yeah. So good. We got to do this. I'm down for that. So good. What is one of your craziest tour stories? Holy shit! It would it would be like Russia, you know, with you, because <laughs> yeah. because I, I don't know. Russia is so like Ukraine, Russia, you know. Uh, the 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 morning I got uh, so drunk the day after that I woke up in the hotel room, and um, I didn't remember what was going on, you know, like what the fuck, where am I, and uh, what's going on, you know. So yeah, I, I think these tours, you know, European tour are fucked up, you know. We spent some good time over there. We did the European tour. Yeah, PN, because uh, we printed like some T-shirt <laughs> at the Image Party in Longueuil, and uh, they wrote that like out. European with a P-E-E. So that was a uh, that was a funny joke, you know. We were selling those T-shirts, you know. With but the, it's also funny because we had that dude that was helping us. He wasn't the driver. He was like a loader dude that came out with a friend of the driver and he pissed the bed. Yeah, exactly. He pissed in the bed uh, just beside you. No, I got out of the okay, bed because he was acting weird and I yeah. was like, I'm not sleeping next to this dude. He started like a yelling some, yeah, yeah, some yeah, yeah. Uh, fucking weird. He was like muttering. He was like on some shit though. He was yeah. on some drugs, that guy. Still, still, he peed in the, in the European tour bed, so that was funny. What's the worst thing that's ever happened to you on road? I don't know, man. I'm a super positive guy, you know? I'm super positive, so every time bullshit happened, I'm like, you know, I'm like, I don't know. I see positive in everything, you know? So I'd say if someone's a real fucker, uh, I'll just get a fuck out of there. Or I can be like the worst fucker too, you know? I mean, all the time that, I, that, that uh, something bad happened, I'm part of it, so <laughs> <laughs> so I guess I guess I don't know, man. You know, uh, I remember when I was uh, in Japan with you. Um, I had to shit blood, so I just shat in the middle of the street. I was hoping you'd bring this up. Yeah, but, but, <laughs> but, but I mean, is that the worst part? We of still it? talk about it. Yeah, me and Ollie. it was you, me, and Ollie. We're out for a walk in Japan. <laughs> we were there for Loud Park, yeah. which means we're there for three days plus all the flights, and and we go for this walk, and you're like, dudes, dudes, I'm, I I I gotta go to the, I I have to go now, and you just go into this little corner, pull down your pants, and then you shit. <laughs> And there's like Japanese people driving by. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, we we saw like some people come in like a really, really like 
later on, like uh, maybe two minutes after, like there was people coming to to uh, clean the whole shit, you know? Because I don't know, these guys are pros at cleaning. I don't know, they're fucking pro, you know? How is your digestive issue right now? Everything's super fine. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm I'm pretty proud of uh, the way I, I was dealing with that shit, you know. Did Less that, stress. Did that get better in prison or was it? Uh, prison helped. Uh, it's kind of weird because the food was disgusting. It was super horrible. But um, I don't know. The fact that I was like going to sleep at 10, waking up at 7. Uh, training. All the day training, mm, yeah. eating regularly, even if it was shit, you know. The shit was like regular. So, yeah, I think it's helped a little bit. Um, stress, you know. You got to really stress. Out of, uh, put it away, you know, from your life. Stress sucks, you know. That that stupid disease called... It's uh, colite ulcérose in French, so... Would be like Crohn's disease or the Crohn's disease, yeah, yeah. Crohn's yeah. Disease or IBM, yeah. uh, irritable bowel syndrome, IBS. Yeah, yeah. but th- it's another thing, but related to that. Okay, but worst. But I, I kind of don't care because uh, I never cared, anyways, about these things. But um, I, I kept like drinking good beer and shit because I think like stress is the most important thing to take away, you know, from your life. So generally, I just try to stay away from every kind of stressful situation except, except girls <laughs> I don't know I like that shit I like this part you're still tied up in it yeah but uh, no I, I just try not to to, uh, to stress you know and you, I, you, you look good though you look you look rested and uh, thank you healthy and young still uh, even though th- we're both getting up there for a yeah. 38 years old yeah. motherfucker sometimes yeah. You know, the, the last girl I slept with uh, was like 26. The one before was 21. And they always think that I'm like 30, 32. So I'm kind of proud of it. So you're doing something right. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. What is the best piece of advice you would give to someone starting a band now? A young kid. Uh, don't try. Don't believe like in miracles, you know. Don't think that if you want to be a rock star, you're going to be a rock star. I think you got to work your ass off, but you have to... It has to be pleasant, you know, it has to be cool, funny, you know, you have to have fun. So find the people that have the same goals uh, as yours and try to, you know, share your fucking dreams with them, you know, and have fun. Go to your rehearsal space and, you know, play music, have fun. You know, if you don't have fun, if you just want to play shows right now, I'd say keep on practicing, you know, practice your shit and push the limit to the maximum. Even if you want to play like in a, I'd say like in a pop band, anything practice you know keep practicing push the fucking limits to the maximum if you want to clean uh, sing clean you know just clean sing to the maximum be good you know even like uh, i don't know i i I like justin bieber you know i got uh, his t-shirt in my in my (laughs) i I think tonight i'm gonna wear my uh my uh justin bieber long sleeve just just because your band's gonna love it yeah of course but uh i'm a fan you know he's good so justin timberlake sent all the justin trudeau you know he wanted to legalize (laughs) weed and he's doing it right now so you know follow your dreams and push it to the maximum you know the limits are it's limitless you know so just push it but don't try to be lazy and stay home and think everything will happen brag that you're in a band you got yeah. <laughs> push the fucking limits no matter what you do you know? what's the best piece of advice that you received from someone in a bigger band when you were young that helped you move forward i think uh what helped me helped me a lot was when i started jamming with um sylvain hood from uh, from uh, cataclysm he was really, really, really helping me out, like uh, to to be confident in my talent. He told me like, "You're fucking talented. You can play whatever you want." Blah blah blah. But I felt like I was super weak because I'm not a super good guitar player. You know, I'm not a god. I, I don't play solos. I don't care about solos. And uh, no, he thought I had like good ideas. And every time I was like composing a new song, it was like, "This is pretty good," or a riff or something. Um, also, when uh, I auditioned for Cryptopsy back in uh, 2001. The fact that it's they, they said, yes, you're the new singer. And I was like, oh, no, fuck, I'm scared. I don't want to sing with you guys. I just wanted to be sure that I, I had could. the chops to do yeah, it, but yeah. you didn't want to do it. You didn't want to do it because you weren't interested to do it or you were... If, I, um, if, if I've been, I was 21. I felt like a weak... Uh, you were intimidated. Yeah, you know, Mike DeSalvo is a fucking king genius yeah. So, so, So just to, for the, the history line, Wormy was there, Mike DeSalvo came in, and then you could have been the next yeah, but, incarnation uh, of Cryptopsy. I was super intimidated by the, by the, the, old, the whole thing, you know? Because, uh, yeah, it's, uh, I'm a super fan, you know? I'm a, I'm a 
first day fan. I was I was fan like back in the demo days, you know, and uh, first album. So though, that was way too much, you know. I was like, these guys are fucking huge, and I can't fill their shoes right now. But I wanted to be sure, you know. So that's something that that uh, without being words said said by a guy, when they're. Uh, Ex-manager, um, what's his name again? Uh, Maurice, Maurice, <laughs> Maurice Richard. Richard. I want to say, not the hockey player. Yeah, Maurice Richard. When it, when he told me, uh, not the hockey player, um, <laughs> their uh, their manager back in the days. When he told me, it was like you can't do that. I was like, what? Well, why are you saying that? It was like because you just can't sing the way you're singing right now on tour. You're gonna lose your voice, and uh, it's impossible for you to do that. So that that was a good, good, good thing. When he told me that, I was like, you know what? You're wrong. Because I can do that. Because I used to like sing like that five hours, six hours a day, five times a week. So I was like, yeah, I can easily do that. You know, I was just selling weed at, the, at, at that time. So I was just selling weed and practicing the whole day. You were selling weed, but you didn't used to smoke it. So you're really smart. You don't smoke don't, your own supply. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> it's very smart. And I never tried to, uh, to I never wanted to uh, sell any kind of other uh, chemical dope or uh, Coke or something. I thought it was super bad. But I, I'm okay for weed, you know. Weed is cool. This is there's some medicinal, yeah, yeah. benefits which 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 need to be explored further. Exactly, in my opinion. Exactly. What is the accomplishment you're most proud of? Cryptopsy releasing an album with Unhuman. That's for sure. Uh, the fucking album took like a fucking bunch of time. Unhuman. Oh yeah, Unhuman I remember that. Took yeah. so <laughs> many years, and I remember when uh, John Lavassar told me uh, when he kicked me out at the end, the, the last time. He said, "You will never release that album." You know, and this really, is, yeah, yeah. I've been super, super uh, harsh with me. Super, uh, yeah, yeah. That was bad. So, so I was like, "What?" And he said, "No, you will never, because you're not." But I didn't know I was uh, ADHD at the at that time. Is so, that what motivated you to finish it? Really, him saying that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really, I was like, "Oh, really, fucker?" I was like, "You know what? I'm gonna release that bitch just to prove you I can do it." You know, and to rave reviews. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everyone uh, fucking loved it. I, I had like lots of uh, help from you know people. But still, I released that bitch, you know. And uh, yeah, this is this is one of the best, uh, the, the biggest accomplishment for me. This and joining Cryptopsy was like a huge deal. And all the people I've been working with, uh, Trace Bruance and, uh, you know, all the fucking guests I made. You know, the Artie Davidson show back in uh, 2008, 2009, something. Um, in front of 40,000 people, you know, that's that's those kind of things, you know, everything related to music make me being proud of myself and I don't want people to, to uh, try to push me down you know so I try to remember those things that I, I've done you know and try to recreate those things you know differently so I can push the limit of my dreams still you know I think it's important you grew up playing and, and going to shows in Montreal do you feel there is a scene division between the French and the English musicians in Montreal I do not believe in that I do believe Like back in the days, like in 2001, I think, I organized the first death and black metal show in Montreal at Salle de Lix uh, with uh, Deuterium. That was um, Alex Arian, the guy from uh, The Spiced Icon. That was his first band, first show. Uh, he playing played drums. Yeah, play, yeah, he plays drums. And uh, that, that was his first show. He was blasting like, like crazy, you know. And it was like unquintessence and unhuman and... Uh, You know, like like five, uh, three or four black metal band and three or four uh, death metal bands. That was like for me. It was a way to show people like you you can't really divide what brings you together. You know, we like music, we like heaviness, we like brutality in different ways. So I didn't think like the fact that someone's like eh, and the other makes. No, not black and death. Though I'm saying I know. English and French. I know, I know, but the same way I see these things and uh you know it's not a super secret i'm i'm a super separatist like a but yeah we're still good French. friends yeah yeah of course what i find interesting and i got friends uh, all around the world i don't care if you speak french or english the story is something else you know and the fact that i don't re uh, i don't recognize canada as being my country doesn't make me someone who's like a anti-canada you know i'm not anti you just don't feel represented I, I know my story and I know it's I'm I know I'm not Canadian, you know. Yeah. You don't feel represented by the Canadian. No, exactly, exactly. But I'm still proud that we have a prime minister who uh, is going to legalize weed and uh, I know he's going to make like tons of money on our back and shit, but still I think it's it's a good thing, you know. So, I don't feel the scene is divided in French in English, but I know some bands, I would say uh I don't know uh the catalyst you know these guys are mostly english i think and i i think they bring like mostly like english people because their friends are english so of course if you go and see them live 
if you show up and you're 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 me, you know, they're gonna be super fine with you and super happy, you know, to see you. Just the fact that you're French doesn't make you like an enemy. It makes you maybe not being one of their gang, you know, the circle of friends. Yeah, yeah. exactly. But I, I don't think it makes them like. I don't think there's two scenes. I think there's like different type of people who get along with each other and some other people less. And that's pretty much it, you know. But I, I, I would book like a show with like two English bands and two French bands and all the people will get along. There, there won't be like any fuck, fucking kind of bullshit. No, I don't think so anymore. I think nowadays it's more as we're getting older, you know, the good musicians stick around. Yeah. And the ones that were there, you know, as a hobby have like fallen out. Yeah. So now, you know, we sort of need to, like, we know what good musicians are. We don't fucking care what language they speak. We, we speak music. Yeah. That's like really a, what I think. Yeah. Like, I went on, on tour with uh, Becomes Astral uh, from Ontario, and I was, like, singing with them. Not as the main singer, but still, I, I sang with them. And, like, look, I'm going back on tour with them. And they just told me this morning that their singer is, uh, he quits or he quits, uh, you know, something in the middle of the tour. So I'm going back with them to uh, BC. I went really? With them, yeah, I went with them, like, to BC. Uh, Eight months ago or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm going back with them as a main singer this time for half of the tour. So I'm doing Unhuman, and then the other half I'm doing uh, Becomes Astral. And these guys are English. And uh, same thing with uh, um, Kill Tourist. You know, I was the main singer, and I, I an English I toured, band. Yeah. I toured Canada like uh, probably five times with them, and I was. You know, my, my speech was in English, uh, super bad English, as you can see. No, 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 you're pretty good. Not, not, you know, you can't tell I'm French. But, I mean, my accent and everything, you know, everything. But no one cared, you know, as long as I was there to do the job. And I think people liked it, you know. So, Is it harder now, as we're getting older, to restart this band, Unhuman, than it was back when you were younger? No, of course not, because I'm stronger. Okay. I'm way stronger. Same thing with like I do some uh, bunch of landscaping as, uh, in summertime, and I'm way stronger than I used to be. Like generally, like you know, I, I'm I've got more focus, more intensity. I know myself better. I know I'm all around. I'm super fucked up when I, when I'm super ADHD. I know it. I tell my friends. I'm like soup. I'm like right now. I feel like super hyperactive. So I'm I gotta calm down. So I'm gonna tr drink three beers in a row. They're like. You sure? I'm like, yeah, I need it, you know. And then I, I just calm down, and then I refocus on myself, and I'm, I'm stronger, you know. So no, I think it's a better timing right now to start back that band than back in the days when I didn't know I was ADHD. So I was just all around the place, you know, and even more like a hyperactive. Yet it was harder, you know. I was younger, I was stupid as fuck, you know. I remember with Cryptopsy, I did so many things that I, I, I wouldn't do right now, you know. We still have very fond memories with you. Of course. Yeah. Of course. I don't regret anything, you know. Everything was fine. But still. When are we going to hear new music? What? Are you going to play new music tonight or are you just going from the old catalog? Yeah. Uh, tonight we're going to play four new songs and a cover from the band Death. Really? Uh, from the album uh, Symbolic. Because uh, Chuck, he's, a, he's, a, he's the godfather of death metal. So, like, this guy is like, he influenced me a lot. I started learning uh, his songs when I was younger, you know, like maybe 15, 16, 17. And uh, yeah, I still play songs like uh, sometimes, you know, and I'm like, whoa, so good, genius. So, like, yeah, we had the idea of uh, bringing in like a cover song, uh, the, the song Crystal Mountain. You can never go wrong. Of course. With a death cover. Yeah, Especially exactly. Crystal Mountain. Yes, Decrepit Birth still does it to this yeah, day. Uh, yeah, and, uh, yeah. Shout out to Decrepit Birth. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I'm, a, I'm a hippie. You know, I went to the, the hippie fest uh, called uh, Rainbow this year. So I got naked for four days, you know, in a row. Really? Yeah, like just with my girl. And my girl was like naked. And we were together. And we just had plenty of fun. Just, just you know, going around, swimming and uh, everything naked. You But know? where is this Rainbow Fest held? That was six hours away uh, northern from Montreal. I don't exactly remember the place, but it was the middle of nowhere, you know, in the woods. And how many people go to this? Uh, four to five hundred uh, at the same time. Wow. So, like, sometimes they're, like, three hundred and, uh, and five uh, and fifty or something. Sometimes there's, like, six hundred, depending when. And uh, it lasts something like a, a month or a month or and a half or so. So, it's not a festival. It's more like a... A movement, almost. Yeah, yeah it's a movement. Yeah. yeah. It's super heavy, so... Wow. So, I went there, you know, so I felt like a... I don't know. I felt really good, you know. That's a good From therapy. now on, I'm going there every fucking year. It's That's like a therapy. Sure. That's so a cleansing. So cool. Yeah. You know, the first day, you don't want to be naked. Second day, you, you don't have to be naked, but so, there's like uh, naked people. 
so yeah, I got naked and I had tons of fun, you know, helping people, you know, cooking food. Uh, I'm sure you got naked like on the first day, uh, by the end of the first day. I think when my my uh, girl, you know, she's 26, and when she got naked, she she's really good looking, you know. When she got naked and she felt comfortable, it made me feel comfortable. I was like. I was like, I just have a penis, you know, to show up. I don't have no, any tattoos, uh, nothing, you know, to, to show up except that, that little piece of, of flesh, you know, <laughs> coming out my, from my body. So, like, she was good looking and I was like, holy shit, there's lots of perverts. And finally, no, I don't think so. You know, there's not, there was not so many perverts. It's just, just natural. Yeah, it's just easy shit, you know. So, uh, yeah, I had tons of fun. Well, cheers to that. Well, I'm not going to keep you too long. You got to play a show tonight. Yeah, man. I appreciate you uh, taking the time to be with me. And I'm really stoked to see your set. It's always my pleasure, my friend. Yes. So much love. Yeah, man. Thank you, bud. Peace. Wow, thank you all so much for listening to episode six of Vox and Hops. I hope that you were blown away as I was when I sat down with Yuri. He was just in, you know, the best state, so clear-minded. His, uh, you know, he's in good shape. He's uh, mentally fit and happy. I'm so, so happy that he's in a place like this right now. He uh, overcame so much, you know, with his time in prison, and he's grown so much as a person, and I'm so happy that he has Unhuman back up and running again. Uh, if you guys ever get the chance to see Unhuman live, I I highly, highly suggest that you should. They should have new material coming out, so you should absolutely keep an eye open for that. Uh, I'd like to also recommend that you guys go check out where we had the beer. was uh, Saint-Soublon. There are a few... Um local brew pubs uh, in the Montreal area and surrounding areas. You guys should absolutely check it out and uh, grab yourself a delicious pint at uh, Saint-Soublon. On the next podcast, I sit down with uh, an associate of Yuririmo. It is uh, Aaron K. Homa. And uh, I've known Aaron a very, very long time. I met him uh, when I was playing in Ottawa for the first time and with Three Mile Scream. It was like one of my first out-of-town gigs and we played with this local band which happened to be Aaron's band. And, uh, you know, we connected. We uh, became friends. He's, you know, not hard to be friends with. He's one of the nicest dudes in metal. So um, Aaron plays uh, guitar for the extreme band Killiterus. You heard that right, Killiterus. He is also the guitar player of Annihilator right now. So uh, he's out there banging out all the big festival shows uh, besides uh, Jeff and the rest of the boys for Annihilator. And I was so happy when he got that gig. So uh, check out that Vox and Hops episode 7 when I sit down with Aaron and we discuss growing up uh, listening to Disney music as well as musicals, uh, getting signed to a label at a young age, uh, how he handles the transition between touring with Calliterus in a van versus Annihilator in tour busts, and also his opinion about bands touring with session players replacing key members. So check it all out on Vox and Hops episode number seven. As always, if you want to you know sponsor the show, if you have any questions, if you have any suggestions of who I should interview, please send an email to matt at voxandhops.com. All the best. <laughs> Yes, rock everyone. I'm Hal Schwartz. And I'm Flynn McClain. Together we host None But the Brave, a podcast dedicated to the music and career of Bruce Springsteen. Bruce and E Street Band are on tour right now for the first time in six years, and we're taking a detailed look at what's happening on stage in our bi-weekly episodes. We've also been recently joined by some very exciting guests, including rock journalist Warren Zanes and Stephen Hyden, Backstreet's Magazine founder Charles Cross, and Barstool's Kirk Menahan. If you're a diehard Springsteen fan, this is the show for you. So please subscribe to Nimba the Brave on your favorite podcasting platform, and we hope to see you further on up the road. Thank you so much! We'll be seeing you!